Hello and welcome to this episode of Raising Teens. And today I'm joined by Philip Gennardo and Catherine Hill, so uh, welcome to you both. Uh, every parent knows the struggle of helping our kids prepare for exams. And uh, today we've got a letter from a dad. My 15-year-old is going to be taking his GCSEs next summer. And honestly, all he seems to want to do is lounge around on the sofa in front of the television. I keep telling him he's lazy, he's not going to sail through his exams that way. How can I motivate him to begin to work for these exams? Because all my efforts to help him improve, I interpret this as attacks and criticism. Now you brought up three boys, I'm sure you've never been through anything like that. <laughs> that sounds incredibly familiar to me, particularly with one of us. I think as parents, sometimes, I mean, we, we have two types of kids, don't we? We have those that work so hard, they're getting up early, they're getting really stressed because they're worried about exams. And then you have the other extreme. And this is what this dad is has got. And one of ours was exactly like that. We'd say, you know, you need to go upstairs, you need to do some revision. And then we'd hear his guitar playing and we think, oh my goodness. And it's hard, it's hard. Philip, do you have any uh, kind of resonance with that? Yeah, definitely. I think the, the idea of the two different um, sides of the spectrum with um, one of my children has been very much a case of trying to find out what's going on behind the, the lack of um, energy behind work. So sometimes children are experiencing insecurity. I don't feel like I'm succeeding at this. There's no point in trying. And sometimes it's just that they, they haven't really got the fact that you really have to work. And so trying to find out why is it that you're not working like I want you to work, what, what's behind that, that has been one of the issues that we've sort of looked at. And I think that's really good in terms of looking behind the issue. Sometimes, actually, with one of our children in particular, I was on his back and he said, Mum, I'm doing it at school. And actually, he was. And out of all of us, he was probably the most able one. And I was always nagging him. But actually, I didn't really need to because stuff was going on at school. But that was not the case with the other one, who really did need a bit of chivying. But it was counterproductive because the more I seemed to nag, the less he would do. And we'd find that we were, you know, getting into arguments, which really didn't help either of us. I mean, I think the honest truth is, is, is some 15-year-old kids are just a bit lazy, aren't they? They just, <laughs> they just are. But just going behind it uh, uh, a, a little bit, I remember when my daughter Katie bought, came home with her GCSE results. And Katie was very academic and she got like nine A-stars or something. And she opened them in the kitchen and, and Lloyd, who was three years younger, said, uh, I hope you're not going to expect me to do that. And Lloyd was actually equally as bright as Katie, but he resembled this 15-year-old very much. And I think it was a mixture. He was a bit lazy. He didn't fancy doing this stuff. He wanted to be playing football or doing something else. But I think there was also an element that I probably am not going to do well as my sister. And if I don't try, then I can't really fail. So it was a bit deeper than, uh, than apparent. Do you think that's possible? No, I absolutely do. And I think it's so easy as parents to slip into comparing with siblings and it's a bad thing to do. It puts a wedge between them and they are all different. And some of them are going to be more creative. They enjoy sport more. Some are going to be more academic. But in this season of exams, they do actually have to do some exams. And so there is a bit of a case for trying to find ways to encourage them. Um, but not actually make it the be-all and end-all of life. Yeah, and I think sometimes uh, trying to find out what motivates your child. So it could be that spending a little bit of time and figuring out what do they want. Um, and particularly if you get to the idea of actually I'd like to do such and such um, 
later on in life as a job, as a career, to be able to say, well, if you want to do that, then you need to do this. And sometimes it's providing a little bit of um, almost false motivation by giving them a little bit of an incentive, saying, look, you can carry on like you're, like you're doing, and that'd be fine, but if you do this, this, and this, then these are the special rewards that we've got lined up. Or well, kind of the motivations without it being too much of a carrot and stick approach. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, some, some parents do that, don't they? They say, you know, granny will give you a pound for every A star. We never did that. Um, that doesn't sound a great deal, to be honest. No, that doesn't sound a great deal, does it? <laughs> okay, 10 pounds for every A star or whatever. But we didn't do that because I thought because they were so different academically, yeah. One, one would have, you know, be laughing all the way to the bank and the other wouldn't have much money at all. So, yeah. Um, and, and just to clarify, I think what we've done with ours is said, actually, I'm OK with you as long as you fulfill your potential. And what I'm going to reward is me seeing that you're doing your best. Yeah. Yeah. So we've never done it on, you know, there's a kind of sliding scale depending on how good the grade is. It's always been, did you work hard? And I would literally say to my youngest, for example, I said, I want you to show me that you're doing well. I want you to impress me, and um, I want to treat you like this. And I, you know, I want to give you your one pound, um, but I, I just want you to to show me that you're doing your best. That's all I'm asking of you. And the truth is that actually, a lot of fifteen-year-old boys couldn't care less really about German or history or chemistry. You know, they want to be out playing football. They want to be out with their friends, and it's this transition in the teenage years between. You know, when they're little, we're going to be doing their, testing them on their spellings in the evening and doing their reading with them. But now in the teenage years, they need to take some responsibility themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what this is all about. And this is what's happening here, actually. They do. We looked at the issue of what's going on in the teenager's brain. I think Catherine and I were involved in, on in that one. And it, the bit at the front, the prefrontal cortex, uh, develops last. And that's the bit of the brain that allows you to defer immediate gratification for the sake of longer term good. In other words, it allows you to say, I'm not going to play football tonight to watch the television. I'm going to really do my maths homework. But that bit is still growing. And some kids don't get that till later in life. But they do get it. And I think for many parents, and perhaps this dad, it's almost a matter of keeping the relationship going, keeping that good relationship as you're literally getting them through. When you said German then, Catherine, we had an hysterical moment with my son Lloyd who just didn't want to know. And I went to his German teacher and I said, look, how can I help this child? And he said, well, why don't you buy one of these learn yourself German courses? <laughs> it, was, it was in those days, it was tapes. And I said to Lloyd, and I did some kind of deal with him where we do it at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. So I wake him up. And he's also going, oh, it's time for German, Lloyd. I get him downstairs. He lies on the settee. I put this tape in and I press the button. And a voice says, uh, good morning, Hans. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, Lloyd, Lloyd, you've got to reply, good morning, Fred. And he's going, good morning, Fred. <laughs> well, I just turned the thing off. Honestly, I sent the thing back to the shop. And you just realise that sometimes you just can't do it for them. And, and you have to keep the relationship going and hope that when they're 17, 18, you're going to pick some stuff up. And for some kids, actually, it's later yeah. in life. And, and you definitely don't want to be losing the relationship by, you know, using negative uh, criticism and, and criticising their person, um, calling them you know, lazy or, or whatever. Even if you feel like they're acting in a lazy manner, just to always try to play the long game 
be patient and find the ways in which you can encourage them without crushing them. Absolutely. No, I think that's so important. Kind of, we always talk, don't we, about spot, catch them doing something right. Mm, and if yeah. we can do that, and there's practical things we can do. So it's not always possible, um, particularly if we're parenting on our own. I mean, that's really tough, but trying to be around if there's exam season as much as possible, yeah. um, trying to make sure that there's food in the fridge. Someone once said to me during GCSEs, keep your mouth shut and the fridge full. I thought that was mm, good advice. Really good. But, and you know, there are little, um, I know you laugh about the GCSE German tape, but I remember buying um, one of these sort of bite-sized learning books for yeah. one of our boys. And actually, it I helped. think it saved his geography because yeah. it suddenly he could understand it in these okay. bits. So, yeah, there's practical things, but the encouragement <clears throat> thing is really important. So we're, we're talking about some big things. We're talking about we can help practically. We want to push them as hard as we can and get away with it because we want them to achieve their, their best. Not negative comments, and I think that's right, Philip. You can get away with, come on, with a bit more hard work, you can get this C up to a B, but you can scar a kid for life with you're such a loser. You'll never be as good as your sister unless you work harder. Uh, and, and then keeping that relationship, uh, keeping that relationship uh, uh, going. But any last uh, kind of tips for this, for this dad who's kind of, he looks to be at, at the end of his tether, really. Do you think he's he's more screwed up than he need to be. We all understand how he feels, but any, any tips to bring him a bit of perspective? Well, I think actually taking the long view because children develop at different rates yeah. and sometimes people will do not that great at GCSEs and then suddenly it'll all click for uh, college or A-levels. Very good. Catherine, I know in one of your books you talk about finding their strengths and encouraging their strength. Uh, just talk a little bit about that. That's right. I think, you know, they're not all going to be academic. They're not going to be um, good at every single subject either. And it is this finding out the thing that really brings them alive that they can do. So one of our boys really struggled during GCSEs. He was all over the place. You know, we would go to the school parent-teacher evenings and we think, oh, how can he improve his chemistry and his geography and all those things? And we got through, literally just got through GCSEs. Mm. Suddenly, in the sixth form, he, loved, he found a teacher that really believed in him mm. and found that he loved history. And he's not looked back. Mm. He got, I mean, it was like a different child. Suddenly he was motivated. Mm. And, and it was because he found this one thing that he was in, interested yeah. in. It may not be an academic subject. It might be something outside of school. But finding that thing that gives them self-esteem, that enables them to think, this is the thing I can yeah. do. And really you know, that, that little comment about it may not be an academic subject. I think it's too easy as parents to look at the non, what we call the non-academic subjects and kind of poo-poo them. But actually, if we can find something, it, it could, whatever it is, imagine art. You know, you're brilliant at art, well done in art. When you're good at something, that actually spills over to other things. And you think, I can do this. And, and often the less academic child or apparently active needs that to catch them doing something right. Not to scour that report for all the failures, but well done there. But it's a balance, isn't it? Because with the one child, you have to back off a little because, you know, they're, they're very compliant. They're, they're dead scared they're going to drop a star. But the other lazy type. When Lloyd, night before he got his GCSE results, I got him in my study. And I said, well, Lloyd, big day tomorrow. Yes, Dad. Well, I want you to know a couple of things, son. If you pass them all, I won't love you anymore. If you fail them all, I won't love you any less. He said, hmm. If I'd known that at the beginning, <laughs> I wouldn't have done any work. So it's not easy, but hey, that's why a friend of mine wrote a book called Parenting is Not for Cowards. 
Well, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us. And if you have a question you'd like us to discuss, just let us know. And if we choose it, we'll send you a, as a thank you a copy of my book, Teenagers, What Every Parent Has to Know. But for now, from Philip and Catherine and myself, goodbye. And we really hope you join us next time. You have been listening to the Raising Teens podcast. For further information about our courses, resources and events, visit us at carefortheFamily.org.uk.